Hey team, welcome to another episode of the Intentional Agribusiness Leader Podcast. The podcast where we actually explore the minds of leaders from all around the agriculture and agribusiness space about what it takes to lead intentionally in this industry today. My friends, if there's some value in here for you today, we ask you to subscribe to the podcast, share this with someone who needs to hear the message of what it takes to be intentional. Let's get into the show. All right, Emily, I am super excited to have you on the Intentional Agribusiness Leader Podcast. You're somebody I watch from afar through the, the LinkedIn channels, the social media channels. I've been following this, uh, this pathway through, um, through your career. Uh, we met probably uh, a decade and a half ago almost, it seems like. <laughs> And um, I've just kind of stayed in touch from a distance and I'm excited to have you on here because I think you do a, uh, you really represent in my mind anyway, what it means to be an intentional leader, really serving the industry. So thanks for being on. Thanks for having me, Mark. It's great to, to see you again. Yeah. All right. Opening question. What does it mean to you to be intentional? I think it's just about being human. Mm. You know, I... I laugh a lot. I think of the quote from the Godfather. It's not personal, it's business. And I really think like, that's one of the worst business quotes ever used. Um, And first of all, if we're using a mob boss as a point of inspiration, we probably need to revisit, you know, our moral compass, but it's just simply not true. I mean, we spend so much of our time working you know, I've said before, probably some of the best advice I got early on was from my dad, who told me, find something you love doing it because you're going to spend most of your life doing it. And, you know, and I've been very lucky to to have a career that I really, you know, for the most part, enjoyed along the way um, and really like what I do. But that makes it also personal. And at the end of the day, we're not all robots. We're a people. And, you know, what's going on in our personal life, you know, intentionally or unintentionally impacts our day-to-day work as well. Um, So I think just really focusing on how to be a good human um, is really probably the most simplest way to to look at it. I love it. I love bringing it down to the simple, just it's human nature. It really is. <laughs> right. It really is human nature. I talk a lot in our, in our programs when we, um, when we bring people together uh, um, and I, I introduce it like this, I say, Hey, you know, we've um, as far as I know, right. Like I get one chance to walk around in the Mark Jewel suit. Yeah. Right? Like you get one chance to walk around in the Emily suit. Right. I mean, it's like, this is the one I got, you know, love yep. it or hate it, but it's the one I got. Right. And um, I get one chance and, you know, like I haven't found the expiration date. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> right. And so, you know, why, why do I allow myself to spend any more time, you know, surviving in it than I, than I have to. Right. Yeah. You know, and it's like, so just coming back to that human nature, like just being intentional because it's a human experience. I love, love your answer. So it's perfect. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the business and, and, and the talent in the business. I know a lot of organizations across the broad scope of agribusiness uh, are struggling with talent retention today. So uh, what are you guys doing at Inari to make it a great place to work? You know, I I think Inari has been really good at being intentional about 
the culture, mm-hmm. but it's very genuine because it's not just the leadership saying, this is the culture we're going to have now act accordingly. Um, Cause I've definitely worked at those companies um, where, you know, you're told what the culture is and uh, then you kind of, you know, look at your colleagues side eyed and go, is that really where we work? Um, but one of the, the things that I've really enjoyed about Anari is, you know, the, the values were identified by the employees themselves, you know, and, and that was something that took place before, you know, I joined and, you know, they had a time where they, you know, asked everybody, is this, do you still feel like this is, is true? And they felt like they were still true and added to it a little bit. But, uh, you know, the giving people the space to kind of, I think, define that culture and to, you know, embrace it. I think that's what's made it. I mean, it's just genuine. And I think when we have people come into it, they see that and they experience that and they realize it's not just you know, we have the words on the wall, but it's not just the words on the wall. And I think that makes a big difference. Um, We're not afraid to have, you know, open conversations and tough conversations when they need to happen. Um, But I think, you know, letting employees can be a part of that process is really important because it makes it more real. They they feel more connected. Um, and as you, you know, are recruiting even for new employees and they come in and they, they see it and they feel it. And, you know, I hear a lot from people like, I want to be a part of something like this. Um, I think it comes out even in how, you know, we share Anari on social media. I've had a number of people reach out to me about job openings and, you know, really it's been, the position is interesting, but I would really like to come and work for Inari because I, you know, they see something that they, they like, and they want to be a part of. Yeah. It, uh, it, and it gets actually goes in, you're going all the, all the way into my next question, which was going to be around culture. You know, how do you, how do you create that culture? And so I love that you guys are bringing people into the mix. Like, so the people had a little bit of a say, uh, a little bit more of a tactical question, but was there to your knowledge, and you weren't there at the time, but do you know, like, was there like an intentional process behind it? Did this, it was this, you know, they brought together a committee, right? I'm thinking about people like, how do we, um, how do you make that real? You know, for, if other organizations wanted to adopt something similar, yeah. So, yeah. you know, so Anari is like coming up on six years old. Um, mm-hmm. So we are, we are a young company and had the benefit of being able to do this, I think, right from the start. Yep. Um, you know, so I, I think there was a little bit of a process and, you know, at the time, most of the employees were involved in it because at the time there wasn't hundreds and hundreds of employees. Um, I think it'd be a little bit more challenging and probably have to be a little bit more structured if we were to even do it today as we're approaching 300 employees. Um, and I imagine even more challenging, you know, when you look at you know, corporations that are thousands and thousands of employees, mm-hmm. um, you know, so I think it's, it's something that, you know, hopefully it's there from the start. Um, but, you know, even going from, you know, a company that was, 
you know, less than a hundred to, oh, you know, getting close to 300 in a pretty short time span. Yeah. I've, we're definitely have gone through some, some growing pains. And I think, you know, being, being open to having conversations about, you know, what's going on with the company, you know, and allowing people to express their feelings and they might not always like the answers, but I think giving a forum where you can talk honestly about it has, has helped. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, I'd be lying if I say, you know, oh, we've, we're we're doing this perfectly. Like we've definitely. It's all sunshine that. and rainbows all the yeah. time, right? Around there, yeah. like it's we're yeah. we're we're gene editing, you know, in great culture into the workplace. Yeah, <laughs> if, if only CRISPR could solve all of our problems. Um, yeah. No, I mean, you know, we're going through some growing pains, and you know, we're working on how to do change management better, um, yeah. and reached out to external resources to help us work through it. Because yeah. we're trying to balance the fact that, you know, part of, you know, frankly, part of what made our culture, our culture was it was a small company and yeah. we're not going to be a small company forever. So how do you work through that? And how do you keep the pieces that are important and stay true to, you know, the core values, but allow that growth to happen? And it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, it's a balance and, you know, I always use the word balance carefully because I, you know, people always talk about work-life balance right? and, and they think of the balance as like being a perfect balance. And I always say, it's, it's more like a teeter-totter <laughs> the balance shifts back and forth and there has yeah. to be give and take, you know, and well, I, I and think I, people, yeah, sorry to, to jump in, but I, I just, I think people have an unrealistic idea, right. Of what culture really is like culture. I mean, yes, it's something that can be in a Petri dish and you can watch it and observe it, but it's constantly changing even at that. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just something that's that's constantly uh, anybody who listens to more than two episodes of this will probably get tired of hearing this quote at some point, but it's going to come up because this is what the podcast is about. Uh, Danny Meyer, who started Shake Shack and a number of other food you know, restaurants, um, I, I, I heard him at Tony Robbins. He spoke and uh, he said uh, and he's, he's well, he's renowned for building culture, great cultures inside the organizations that he um, has built. Uh, and he says, culture is like taking care of a newborn. You have to feed it. You have to feed it 12 times a day. <laughs> and when it craps its pants, you damn well better change it. Yeah. And that's what it is, right? I mean, it takes yeah. intentional leadership. And this is why I created a podcast about intentional leadership is to, to help leaders in agribusiness, which is a uh, which is something I care deeply about, that you and I care deeply about this industry. Uh, and we see, I see a lot of people just really struggling, right? I see yeah. people looking for the magic formula for, for building culture. And they're like, hey, what do we have to do to get, and it, to, to get these people um, doing more, right? Selling more, operating better, getting along, whatever the case is. And they're looking for them, just like everything in life these days, they're looking for the magic pill. Yeah. What's, right? what's the, the, what's the easiest, shortest, you know, way to get there. And it's like, well, yeah. you've already lost. <laughs> yeah, and that's why, like, that's why this intention thing is is so important to me. Cause like, I know all the times in life that I get the most resentful is always because of the times in life I'm the least intentional. Yeah. So I'm super curious, like what are companies doing to create, you know, that culture intentionally and what a cool like case study. Cause you, you can see it, you know, it's only six years old. Right. So we can actually like pull apart the different things and then fast growth, which is like, yeah, I mean, that's like, 
how do you, how do you maintain certain parts of the culture, but then allow you, you know, to edit in <laughs> new pieces. Cause as you know, a lot, a 300 person company is not a 50 person company anymore. Right. It's just different. The, the lines of communication are different. So, yeah. I mean, you know, it started in, in Cambridge, Massachusetts mm-hmm. and, you know, and we have three locations now. I mean, we have an yeah. office in Belgium and West Lafayette, Indiana and West Lafayette's quickly becoming our largest and is our fastest growing. Really? You know, so there's all these dynamics at play. Um, But I also, I have to give a good deal of credit to Ponzi Trevisovet. She's our Mm -hmm. CEO. And, you know, to my earlier point of what does intentional mean? It's, it's just being human. And uh, she is one of the most real human people I've ever seen, uh, you know, experienced firsthand in a CEO role. You know, Mm -hmm. she's, um, you'd be hard pressed to find somebody who works harder. Um, but, you know, she's also just has very real conversations with people and, you know, and she is, she recognizes the importance of being human. And she definitely shows that, you know, you know, she's, she's just a human as well. And, you know, I think that also helps people because, you know, she, she believes in, what we set out for in terms of the culture and she leads by example. So I think that also helps mm-hmm. where it doesn't, it doesn't feel like lip service. It, yeah. you know, you're experiencing it. Well, you, you led with the word genuine, right? And so and if, if, if the genuineness is coming through in the culture, I mean, that really, that always stems back to the, to the chief. Yeah. I mean, it has to come from the top down. That's by rules in, in building culture. So it uh, speaks to, and I, uh, I'm thinking about doing another, like a season, maybe after this one, where I just interview CEOs from around the industry. And I definitely want to get her on. So uh, if she's, she's, if she's open to that, I think that would be fantastic because I've, I've watched some of her videos and I'm like, okay, wow, like this is really, really cool. So, yeah. um, all right. But I want to talk about you. So, uh, so we're, t- we're talking about Emily here today. So what, uh, what's the the biggest hurdle you have had to overcome as a leader? You know, I think it's, it's coming into an existing team as their leader. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had that yeah. experience a couple times now. And it's, it's interesting because a lot of times if you're, especially when you're coming into a brand new role, you know, you're excited about your new job and your mentality is like clean slate you know, this is all new. It's exciting. And I can't wait to learn. Um, and I've definitely taken for granted, um, that the people that I'm coming into have, have the baggage that they've been there for whatever set period of time. Mm -hmm. And maybe they're, they had a leader that they really liked that they lost. Maybe, you know, they had a bad leader that, put the team in a bad place. Like there's just so much you don't know until you really dig in and find out like what's going on. Or I, you know, kind of got made leader of a group that wasn't really a team before. And so all of a sudden it's like, Oh, hold on. You know, so now we're doing what, and who are you and why are you here? <laughs> and what does this mean for me? Um, right. Yeah. It's, so, well, it's, it's, it's a subculture within the culture of the organization. Right. So, you oh, know, yeah. you as, and, and so you're walking into this, like, it's almost like, okay, this is a terrible analogy, but it's like, if you, if you adopt like a, 
a, a pet from the shelter. I mean, it has habits and, and things that you didn't teach it. <laughs> it is now it's your responsibility. You're like, all right. So, you know, and I've, um, you know, and I've had some very honest conversations with people. I'm like, like, I want to hear from you. I want to know what's going on with you. And I understand you have a lot of questions and I'm probably not going to be able to answer all of them today. Yeah. But like, I want to know what they are and we'll work on getting the answers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's been, you know, going back to my first point of just being human. I mean, recognizing that, you know, what other people are going through and understanding where they're at uh, and where they want to go. You know, I always ask people when I first start, uh, you know, managing someone directly is, you know, tell me what you want. Like, what do you want out of your career? Mm-hmm. Where do you want to go? What do you want to learn? Like, where, where do you feel like you could really excel? Um, because it's when you can help people do the things they want to do, you're going to get better work out of them and they're going to be happier. And, you know, and sometimes there's been situations where, you know, we kind of realize to do what you really want to do probably means not doing this job. And maybe it's, you know, or maybe it's not being at this company. And I think you have to be okay with helping people find their best path because, you know, you hate to lose great talent, but if somebody isn't where they need to be in their journey, you're never going to get the best version of them. And, you know, you're not going to win as a company having that person at position. And that person is probably eventually going to leave anyways. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think having to to, you know, create a place where hopefully they can thrive and get everything they want, but being real enough to realize when that's just, you know, not true and letting them spread their rings where they need to do that. Well, I I 100% agree. And I've I've said many, many times over the years that I think leaders have a moral obligation to create a space, to create an uh, a, a, a culture within which people can thrive. And, and sometimes that's just helping them identify that this may not be the, you know, the right space, the right culture, the right team. Maybe there's somewhere else in the organization. Maybe there's a different organization and that doesn't have to be bad or wrong. I mean, that can be very encouraging and empowering and you can build bridges this way. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, but I think the, the most important thing that I want leaders to understand more is being really intentional coming into that. Like I see so many people not and they wait for that problem to figure itself out. Yeah. And then it becomes, it's actually it's so much harder to fix later on. Yeah. I'm going to say yeah, something. No. I, I want to, I'm going to use a really terrible example because this obviously does not apply necessarily to the corporate space, but I study the old Testament pretty uh, like I'm reading it cover to cover right now and I'm going through and I'm, it really is. It's, it's, it's the greatest culture book ever written because it's very, uh, it, it, it's almost, it almost reads like an HR manual, right. For the Jewish people, as they start to go into, um, and, and cross the Jordan, they're given specific instructions about what to do when they take over the land and when they, and like what to do when they take over a town. Yeah. Um, and it's really terrible stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> So we obviously can't do those kind of things. I mean, it really is like, I mean, you take the people out, right? You, you, you get rid of the people, um, you get rid of the, all the livestock, don't keep anything, burn the houses down. Right. I mean, it's, it's really, you know, and we have different words for this today. Um, 
but, but it I've was seen do- leaders do that. I've seen, you know, leaders come into yeah. positions and be like, I want a clean slate. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get exactly. rid of people. I'm going to get rid of all of the, the, you know, agencies I've worked with and we're starting over from scratch. Yeah. And it's like, well, maybe that's needed, but how do you know before <laughs> you actually started doing anything? And like, right. You know, it's, and it, you know, there is value in historical knowledge, even if it's it was something that was done wrong, mm-hmm. then you know why it didn't work. But like to just come in and completely, you know, try and clear this. Raise it to the ground. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mean, that's one approach, I guess. Right. So it's, well, it's super interesting to me, right? And that was, that was how you had to do it, right? Otherwise they would be tempted to worship idols, right? Instead of worship God, that was the whole point. And so I understand. I understand that and just leveraging that like as the example, right? But up from, from that, right, I learned a lot about intention and like and really being intentional. And we can we and we can use very much more advanced uh, and more more emotionally and uh intellectually advanced as we are today than we were three, four thousand years ago, right? As a species. Hopefully, maybe sometimes we're not. But <laughs> when we come into a, a, a team like you're talking about, and this is such a challenge for so many people. Right. Just really being intentional and taking time to sit down and really like, I mean, almost interview them. Right. I mean, just get to know like that person coming back to the first thing you said, which is intention is, is human. Right. So, you know, be curious, not judgmental. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was a great, you know, a great line. And I, I do think about that a lot and, you know, and I, uh, Another one that I like is not Ted Lasso, um, but just, you know, assume good intentions. You know, I find so Mm -hmm. often like, and I think it's just the reality of, you know, work and stress and, you know, everyone's trying to get things done. And then when you hit a roadblock, you're like, who did this to me and why? Um, But it's, you know, while you're asking the why, you're looking more to make an accusation than to find out like what's going on. Mm -hmm. And so, I find like if you can be curious and ask questions and try and ask them without judgment and, you know, assume that people have good intentions, you know, everyone I find really is just trying their best to like get through the day most days. Um, And if you remember that uh, you can usually get to a better place faster. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love it. Um, and great job bringing in the Ted Lasso quotes. I think this, <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we, we actually, we're going to, we have a project. This is like, a um, um, an, an important, not urgent project that we have like on our list for 20, yeah. it's probably going to be a 24 thing. We want to go through and rewatch all the Ted Lasso, like by, se- you know, season by season yeah, and, uh, watch all the episodes and like pull out the leadership lessons and then create like a, a, a Ted Lasso leadership playbook. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> I, no, like I, I, over really well. I think everyone should, you know, uh, everybody in a leadership position should watch at least a few episodes because, um, <clears throat> you know, as I said, the mob boss was not a great example of leadership. You know, I think there's a lot of points that I found even watching that where you kind of like step back and like, do a moment of self-evaluation, like, yeah, okay, I could probably learn something yeah. there. Well, you know, I mean, we, we've gone mob boss, Old Testament, and then we went to Ted Lasso. So I think we're improving. <laughs> we've covered it all. <laughs> as we go. So, okay. Uh, what, what's been your biggest win as a leader? What's a, what's a win that you really claim you're like, that, 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 that goes on the mantle? 
You know, I really think it is, and this is going to sound, you know, I'm sure a little cheesy, but it's been seeing the people on my team succeed. And, you know, I, I know what I'm capable of. And, you know, I've, I've been around long enough to have had some, you know, some wonderful highs and some, you know, pretty uh, low po- moments too. But, you know, when you've seen someone on your team really like grow and accomplish something that especially if they thought they couldn't do it or you knew it was a challenge for them and having having them have that moment of realization of like no I can you know I can do the hard stuff too and it's good to challenge myself and you know I got through this and it was totally worth it um that's when I really enjoy being a leader and that's when I feel like I've you know if I can help somebody else reach you know reach their high moments and, you know, figure out their best career path. Um, to me, that's, that, those are the best wins and staying, you know, through pe- with people that I've, you know, worked with or, you know, have served as, you know, a direct manager for and, and watching them, you know, LinkedIn is great for that, keeping in touch with people, even from afar. Um, it's been exciting to, to see some of them grow into their careers. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Um, lo- I love that answer, and it's just you know, like it says, you'll you'll know a tree by its fruit, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that's such a so telltale. You know, if some somebody can come in and talk a good game about leading people and and building teams and building an organization, um, and I'm I'm more interested in in hearing about who did you help create? You know, who did you help? You know, um, along in their career, yeah. I get much more joy these days at our events, like watching our other facilitators run the, run the event than I even do from being in the front of the classroom. Yep. I'm with you. I, I compare leadership, you know, a lot to <laughs> parent. And I think some people at times people take that the wrong way. Like, Oh, you're saying, you know, you have children. I'm like, well, there's days where it feels <laughs> like that, but you know, yeah. a couple things, a, you know, you don't realize, um, how much your parents didn't actually know until you become a parent yourself. And that's kind of like leadership. Like, you know, there's an element of we're all there's stuff we make up as we go um, and we're all trying to figure it out. There isn't no, you know, there's lots of books that tell you how to be a better leader, just like there's lots of books that tell you how to be a par- better parent. But there's not really a manual of like, this is exactly how it's done. Right, um, right. You know, but, you know, I think good leaders also, you know, care a lot about the people that they work with and you know, you have that sense of pride when you, when you see them succeed and, you know, and you want to encourage that. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. I love it. So, so uh, to, um, to, to kind of sticking with that theme, talk to me a little bit about vulnerability and, and, and how, how do you leverage that and being able to create intention? Cause there, you know, there is, you know, we can, we can go too far with it. We can share too much. I've certainly been guilty of that. Um, and had that come back to bite me, but then I've also really won in some cases by, you know, yeah. sharing what's, uh, what's real. So talk to me you a know, little I, bit about that. I've always told my teams, like, I'm going to call a spade a spade. And when something sucks, I'm going to say it sucks. Mm-hmm. I, I've, I've been in those positions where I've had a leader been like, it's all like, everything's great. Everything's wonderful. Rainbows, sunshines, unicorns, like don't think about the bad things. And, you know, and you're sitting in a big pile of poo and you're like, really right now you're telling me this. Yeah. Um, 
so to me, it's, you know, it's about being honest about where things are at. And, you know, cause I've, you know, like I said, we can say something sucks and then we can figure out how we're going to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can't acknowledge the truth of the matter, like it's really hard to get beyond it. And I think also not, not having to be perfect all the time. And I'm sure anybody who would tell you that they've worked for me would tell you I'm far from perfect. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. But, you know, I think also, you know, not being afraid to share when something hasn't gone well, because I think success isn't about never failing. It's about always getting back up. Mm, Yeah, I love that. And, you know, I have had, you know, a couple moments in my career where it was, you know, they were like, I, I wanted to give up or, you know, it, I was mad as hell about something um, or, you know, something just didn't go the way I wanted it to go. And I was really frustrated. Um, and I can look back and realize like those were big moments of growth for me because I got beyond them and I got back up and I didn't give up. Um, and, you know, and sometimes it took, you know, a great leader standing next to me saying, you're not stopping now. You're, you know, dust yourself off, get over it and go try again. Um, and, you know, and sometimes it was giving that, you know, speech to myself. Um, but I think in showing that vulnerability to others, it's like, you know, I've, I've made a mistake or I just made a mistake and here's what I'm doing about it or here, how's we're going to fix it or here, how we're going to move beyond. It also creates a space where they feel safe doing the same thing because I can't help my team get past like problems or issues if they don't feel safe coming to me with them. And, you know, an issue can quickly become a crisis when they hide it from you. And it's like, Oh, you know, well, like, we don't want to let her know it's bad. We're going to just keep spinning our wheels and trying to fix this. And it's like, no, like you got to like, come to me and let me help be part of the, the solution. Um, and having that safe space, I think is, is really important, but it starts with being vulnerable enough that they feel like, you know, she understands and we can talk to her about these things. And, you know, she might be frustrated that it happened, but, you know, she's going to support us in getting through it. I love that. I love that. Creating that place, right? That safe space where it is honest, right? It can be honest. It can be both honest and safe Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> at the same time. And that's, you know, to me, intentional leaders really work to curate that. It's a curation process, not just a creation process. So fantastic. All right. Um, So in addition to, I mean, having, you know, a great job and being a team leader, I mean, you're also a team leader at home. Uh, (laughs) Talk to us a little bit about your family and like, how do you, how do you, I don't like the word balance. We talked about that earlier, right? Uh, As it pertains to the work life thing as as, as well. To me, it's all a blend, right? Yes. how How do you keep that blend working? Uh, it is, it is a team sport. Uh, so we have two young boys, um, and my husband also works full time and has a a very successful career. And, you know, 
where we kind of find the balance is, you know, recognizing when one of us is in a place where we might need to lean in a little bit more to work. And then the other one leans in a little bit more to family um, and vice versa. And we've definitely had that pendulum swing, you know, back and forth through the, through the years. I am probably a little bit um, spoiled in the fact that my husband and I are in the same uh, profession. So we actually met working together. Okay, nice. um, And so having a partner who, you know, 100% understands my job, uh, (laughs) you know, and and that, you know, we've, we've definitely had pitfalls where we spend too much uh, home time talking about work because it's easy to, to dive in. Um, so we've had to set up some boundaries there, but, yeah. um, you know, just having that level of understanding and, you know, again, having those open, honest conversations when, you know, things aren't going, going well. And, uh, just recognizing that, you know, we're both trying our best to, to make it work. Um, and sometimes we're really good and, and sometimes there's rough nights, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You know, as long as the good outnumbers the bad, you know, I think it's right. Yeah. My, my wife and I have a a policy around here. It's called keep the energy clean. And that sounds nice. Sometimes it's not because sometimes what's required to clean up the energy is not fun. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, and we both, you know, have had moments where like, you know, we try to leave work at work, but you know, as I said before, it's personal and, you know, we've had days where it's like, I've come home and said, listen, like, I need like an hour. Like I, I can't be a good mom right now because the mm-hmm. smallest little thing is going to set me off. And I don't want to mm-hmm. take out my bad day on my poor children. So I'm going to need, like, it needs some decompression time. Um, yeah, and, yeah. You know, and he's done the same and we're very much acknowledged like, okay, yep. I see that in you right now <laughs> and everyone <laughs> for the better. So I, I mean, it kind of yeah. comes back to the same thing about, you know, being a little bit vulnerable at times and and mm-hmm. not being afraid to to ask for you know what you need and sometimes that's asking for what you need out of your out of your partner too to say like hey I I need help here I you know this is what's going on on the home front and yeah you know this is what's needed as well and Absolutely. we're also insanely blessed um to have my parents who um tend to be our backup especially you know I've had crazy travel schedules and, uh, they, they are a wonderful support system and, uh, fabulous grandparents to, to dive in when needed. So I'm very, very thankful for my parents as well. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that one. We moved, we moved ours right in. We moved Christine's mom. Like she lives <laughs> upstairs and, uh, thank God the laundry just magically gets folded and it's wonderful. So <laughs> not everybody is that lucky. And no. And, uh, and it actually works for us. It works, right? I mean, it's, uh, so my, my wife is Italian. And so, I mean, it's, this is like an expectation. This was written into the contract when we met, I had no idea <laughs> it was coming. Um, I was part of like, not only do you get one, you get two, uh, women living with you. So, uh, but it's, you know, it's been fantastic because at least somebody's there to help out with the dogs or, you know, whatever, yeah. you know, to, to dog sit or something, if we have to both, you know, go home travel or, yeah. or whatever. So, uh, totally, totally understand. But, uh, you know, to, to, to to bring it back to that, like there's those moments in life, right. Where it just feels like we're, we're not having it all together. Um, one of the things that we talk a lot about in our work, it's called the law of infusion. 
And the law of infusion states that I can only infuse others to the degree that I first infuse myself. I see a lot of unintentional leaders sacrificing all of them for everybody else. And then, you know, nothing left in the tank for, for them and really not much left over for others. And that's when the conflict usually arises, right? Is when I don't have the capacity. So what, uh, what do you do to keep your energy up and stay productive and keep things moving forward? What, what's important for you? Um, I am a Peloton junkie. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've really gotten into cycling. Um, I, living in Minnesota, I can't be outside on my road bike as much as I would like. Cause oh, sure. know, there's a few months where there's this thing called snow. Um, Most of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, and, and just, you know, the reality of a busy schedule, like this morning, I mean, it was a beautiful morning. I would have loved nothing else to get on my bike and go for an hour ride, but that just wasn't reality. So I hopped on my my Peloton and did a quick 20 minutes because um, that's what the schedule allowed. But um, that is something that I have found that, um, man, it's probably been a routine I've gotten in my, myself in for probably the past, like at least eight years, I'd say of wow. getting up in the morning and like the alarm goes off early. There's a lot of mornings where that alarm is 5.00 AM, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I lay in bed. I'm like, it would be nicer to sleep, but I also remind myself I'm always happier when I get up and uh, you know, cause it's for me, it's having a couple minutes to myself because everyone's still sleeping. Um, except for my dog who, you know, just needs a few head scratches and then he goes and lays back down. Um, but it's, it tends to be my time having a little bit of time to myself and, uh, you know, I get my exercise in, it makes me feel better. It energizes me for the rest of the day. Um, and that, that really has been, I've realized, uh, important element for me, at least in, you know, keeping myself charged and in a good place mentally. Um, I mean, and it's, it's not always perfect. Um, and you know, there's been mornings where I have chosen to sleep in, but like I said, I, I've quickly learned where I'm just, I am a better I'm a better mom. I'm a better coworker. I'm a better wife. Um, when I make sure that I'm making some time for me. Um, and for me, that's, that's been, you know, exercising and, um, yeah, when I can get out on the weekends and do those longer rides, like I'm, I'm in my happy place. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love it. Well, I mean, it's, it is, it's essential, right. I mean, to bring it back to the, the opening thing, right. It's a, it's a human process and we're just better humans when you make sure that you have an hour for yeah. yourself every day, right? That you can just go to, to work on you, whatever that looks like for, for every individual yep. that, uh, that may be listening to this or watching. So, all right, Emily, this has been really cool and really fun. And I think just a little masterclass in intentional leadership from you. So appreciate you being on any last thoughts or suggestions that, uh, that you'd throw out for the, for the listeners. You know, I would say, just be true to yourself. And that's, that's part of getting back to being human is, you know, to your point earlier, you know, you're only you. And if you've ever tried to be anybody else, it probably hasn't really gone well. So identifying, you know, what your strengths are, and how you can excel, 
and how you can use that to help others, I think is the the best way you can be an intentional leader. And, you know, just remember that, you know, everyone's probably trying their best. And if you can help them be their best, you're both going to win. I love it. That's a great way to leave it. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. It was a pleasure talking with you today. Yeah, this has been great. I hope today's episode brought you a great deal of value about what it takes to lead life and lead in this industry with intention. If you want to go deeper on the topic of leading with intention, I encourage you to head on over to intentionaltoolbox.com and get the seven free tools that will help you to lead your life in all areas with a greater deal of intention. That's intentionaltoolbox.com. And finally, if if this message resonated today, if there was something in here that you got value from, I promise you there's someone else in your life who also would get value from this. So please share the episode, share the podcast, and make sure that you subscribe.